Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Eddie, Karun, Ori, Isaac, Sasha, Kate, Tristam, Dave, Brandon, Matthew, Adrenaline Shots, Dylan, and Chris. And Chris and all the patrons want you to know that you are a valued member of this awesome, loving, giving Horror Virgin family. And if you want to catch up with what's going on in their separate shoutouts and the Patreonicals, stay tuned at the end of the episode to hear what happens next. You guys, I found the secret ingredient to my barbecue sauce. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) It's the theme music! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I have serious concerns as to how she is shooting that gun. So that's what bothered me the most about the whole movie. You gotta let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Horror Virgin. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, Paige had us watch Planet, Planet Terror. Terror. Now, this is clearly the first time I have seen this movie. Have you guys seen this movie before? Many, many times. Yes. <laughs> Mikey, I think this was your first time, though, you said, right? I guess Grindhouse uh, fell through the cracks for me. Interesting. So what did you think about it, Mikey, when you saw it? I thought it was silly fun. It was just really silly. Like, it's just really silly. And I like really silly. When I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is straight up a Mikey movie. Yeah, yeah. The reel that's missing is all the character development part. And that's what I yes. like the most. <laughs> Like, all the characters have changed and their relationships have changed, but it doesn't show anything. I thought that was really funny. I think that it's hilarious, largely because all of the questions that they've been setting up get answered in that missing reel, <laughs> and we never know any of those answered questions. Like, and you know what? It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. And that's sort of <laughs> what I like matter. about this movie, is that it's just insane. Like, the movie is really dumb, but it's so funny, and it's honestly, it's really well done and dumb, which is so so crazy to me it's a tough line to walk <laughs> it where is. like yeah i think my favorite thing about it is it knows it's dumb it is intentionally yes. dumb yeah yeah and some of the jokes are dumb but some of them are like way more meta than i was thinking it's like a yeah. very meta take on like b sci-fi horror movie b zombie horror yes. yeah absolutely yeah. like when this movie first started i was like this is not a horror movie and then you know when zombies start attacking i was like oh this is fully horror it's just silly b movie horror <laughs> now, now, having watched Return of the Living Dead, which I had not seen, but reminded me heavily of this film, mm-hmm. did you yeah. see a lot of the similarities between yeah. them? Yeah, but Planet yeah. Terror is much better made than Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, it's almost made too well to be what it's trying to be. Yeah, yes. I agree completely. Yeah. And I do think that you get some of that, What, and I'm only going to say I'm assuming is the Grindhouse feel, because I've never seen a Grindhouse movie. Like, this is my only experience with that so I have no context for it but it felt very true to what they were trying to convey there right it does uh, that is one of the criticisms of this movie is that it's it's too good for what it's doing and that death proof is a little more accurate that just means death proof is not as good of a movie and that makes sense to me I find that death proof is not as rewatchable I feel like it is very accurate to the time period Mm -hmm. but I find that planet terror like I will turn on planet terror every once in a while just for a laugh yeah like i find it endlessly rewatchable i find new stuff every time i watch it i have (laughs) i think it's just a great time but part of the reason i'm gonna go over some of the fake trailers and death proof is because 
I think we need an understanding of how this was originally presented and how it was intended to be viewed originally. Right. Well, let's just go ahead and get into that breakdown of a quick overview, right, of Death Proof and the trailers. Yeah. Very quick overview. So... Very quick overview on Death Proof, which would have screened in tandem with Planet Terror. They were screened in the United States and in most of Canada as one five and a half hour long film marathon. And that's how you had to get tickets to it. If I had to sit through Death Proof to see this, I would not have seen this or the second half of Death Proof. <laughs> right. It's not that bad. It, it is a little bit of a slog. But basically what happens in Death Proof is we follow three friends, one of whom is a prominent DJ named Jungle Julia, played by Sydney Tamila Poitier daughter of Sidney Poitier. Wait, really? Yes. Awesome. Okay. They go out for drinks together in the bar. They run into an old friend from high school, but also stuntman Mike played by Kurt Russell. He drives a 1971 Chevy Nova that he claims is death proof, but only on the driver's side. And he uses this car to kill Rose McGowan, who plays their friend from high school. There's a lot of shared cast between the films. Okay. Uh, Pretty great. He uses that car to kill Rose McGowan before deliberately crashing it into the three girls' car, killing all of them in the crash. Over a year later, now driving a 1969 Dodge Charger, stuntman Mike hunts another group of women with the intent of killing them with his new death-proof car. However, these girls are stunt women, and they are driving a 1970 Dodge Challenger, the car specifically used in 1971's Vanishing Point. They beat stuntman Mike in a race with Zoe Bell strapped to the hood of the car. What? Mad Max style. Awesome. Yeah, and he tries to kill him. They hunt him down and kick him to death. The film is modeled after Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, a very, very famous Grindhouse film. Okay. That's death proof. That's what you've missed. Um, So that would have been shown in tandem with this. Now, let's get into the fake trailers. We watched these right before we (laughs) recorded today. So a note on... And I'm sure this will come up in box office, too. But in the U.S. and Canada, it was released as a five-hour marathon with the trailers. But outside the U.S. and Canada, they were released independently two months apart with only one of the fake trailers being attached to one of the movies. And I will actually talk about that when we get to that trailer. But it was met with mixed reviews when asked about it quentin tarantino said if we're dealing with a non-english speaking country they don't really have a grindhouse tradition not only do they not really know what a grindhouse is but they don't have a double feature tradition so it would be us trying to teach and make a movie successful yeah which is true However, many European fans specifically, because the UK does have some grindhouse and some double feature traditions, but they kind of got lumped into this. Many European fans saw the splitting of the films as an attempt to increase profits by forcing audiences to pay twice for what was shown as a single film in the United States. And that may have been partially true because the single film format didn't do great in the U.S., largely because it's five and a half hours, which means that only very specific audiences are going to go see it and sit through it. But it also means that you have fewer options to show it in a day. So it cut down on the amount of times it could be screened over the course of like a weekend. So it's also a pretty expensive movie. So separating the movies into two made them more palatable at two-ish hours each. 
and the trailers and double feature experience would hit the cutting room floor at that point, only being revived on the DVD and Blu-ray. So in most of Europe and the UK, they did not see these fake trailers until they were released along with the Blu-ray. So I'm going to go through the trailers really quick, one by one, with just some quick fun facts, and then we'll jump into Planet Terror. Are we ready? Okay, cool. Machete. So Machete is the trailer that survives. It's the one that gets tagged to Planet Terror when it screens individually. If Mm -hmm. you watched this on Amazon, you saw it because it gets attached no matter what. That's the one I was watching when I realized that Starbucks was not the right place to watch this movie. Oh, yeah. There's a a lot of titties in it. Yeah. I was not (laughs) expecting that. And then I fully backed into the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Now, Machete, as you all know, because we have some distance from this, Machete eventually does get made into two films, Machete and Machete Kills. Uh, But what you might not know is that Robert Rodriguez originally wrote it as a full feature to feature Danny Trejo in 1993. Wow. Yeah, this was his passion project. He said that he views Danny Trejo as Mexican Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is amazing. I feel like that's mean to Danny Trejo. That's true. I mean, Danny Trejo did save that baby in that car crash like a year ago. Like in real (laughs) life, he is a hero. Jean-Claude Van Damme's not a bad guy. No, but how many kids has he saved from car crashes? Yes. How many kids have any of us saved from car crashes? Danny Trejo saved one, (laughs) so he wins. Now, he never got around to making that movie at the time, but prior to Grindhouse, he still liked the idea, so he wrote the character into Spy Kids as their uncle. So when Grindhouse (laughs) came around, originally he and Quentin were going to make all the fake trailers themselves, and he figured Machete was perfect for the fake trailers and it became the most popular it took him a year to film it he filmed danny trejo's scenes then they filmed planet terror and then he came back and filmed with cheech marin a year later really so this is like a year in the making for this trailer (laughs) that is crazy but what this trailer does do is it gives him the chance to make machete in 2010 and machete kills in 2013 awesome that is the backstory behind machete yeah werewolf women of the ss This is directed by Rob Zombie. It also features his wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, as pretty much all of his projects do. Her real name is Sherry Moon Zombie? Yes. I thought that was a joke. No, no, no. It's Rob Zombie's wife, Sherry Moon Zombie. Yeah, we haven't done a lot of Rob Zombie horror, Todd, but she's in all of them. I fully thought that was a joke for the trailer. No, and I I don't think Jen would have been a fan of Rob Zombie films. I'm not a huge fan. It's, It's hit or miss for people. They're very gory. Uh, they can be very, very dark. Some people love them. Some people hate them. But And he's only got like three or four films. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that you guys haven't gotten to them. But this is his trailer. It does feature his wife. And it is based on real Grindhouse films, specifically Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS, which is a real Grindhouse film, uh, Fraulein Devil, and Love Camp Number 7. And he's been quoted saying about this movie i was getting very conceptual in my own mind a lot of these times these movies would be made with like well we've got a whole bunch of nazi costumes but we've got this chinese set too let's put them together so they just start jamming things in there so i took that approach which is why you've got fu manchu at the end of that trailer nicholas cage as fu manchu oscar winner nicholas oscar winner nicholas cage as fu manchu yeah 
Yeah, every no, everyone in that trailer uses their real name. Like it's Udo Kier and Sherry Moon Zombie and Nick Cage. That's yeah. all those real people's names. <laughs> uh, the next trailer is Don't. This was directed by Edgar Wright. That makes sense because this is the yes. funniest one. It is the funniest one. It's got the most jump cuts. It's yeah. very. I feel like these trailers totally exemplify the people who made them. Yeah, like right. I can see that. when you find out who made each one, you're like, absolutely. It's meant to resemble a Hammer House of Horror film, and we haven't done too many Hammer films on Horror Virgin. I think that we've only done one, which was the Woman in Black, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think we should remedy that because Hammer's got some bangers. It's, okay, I mean, like it'd be pretty fun. It features appearances from nearly every single person who has played a main or supporting role in the Cornetto trilogy or Spaced. There's like <laughs> 20 people in this trailer. That's amazing. To get the look that he wanted, it was shot on vintage lenses on film. And during editing, they scrubbed the film with steel wool and dragged it around the parking lot to make it look like it had been run through a projector badly for many, many years. I mean, it does have that look, as does most of Planet Terror. This is true. They, they did it for Death Proof and Planet Terror, and we'll find out when we talk about the very next trailer a little bit of why okay so the title don't is actually meant as an in joke about how american cinema would rename uk horror films or really any films that came from overseas often horror films would be sent here and renamed something shorter and snazzier but additionally if you notice the the actual trailer itself has no dialogue from any of the actors only screams yeah it's all vo it's all vo and this is also something that american cinemas used to do where they would recut trailers with an american narrator so that audiences wouldn't know it was a british film before they came to see it <laughs> so those are like specific things in that trailer that he did to make it look like the trailers that That's we would have had for funny. 70s horror films. It's pretty funny. Uh, the next one is Thanksgiving. This trailer is directed by Eli Roth. Again, it's very obvious if you watch the trailer. And it is based on holiday horror films like Halloween, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and April Fool's Day. And the graphic design for the trailer is actually based on a Mad Magazine slasher parody called Arbor Day. So it's like <laughs> modeled after specific ones. And if the soundtrack sounds familiar, it's because they sampled the score from Creep Show. This trailer alone almost earned Grindhouse an NC-17 rating. Yeah, it's pretty graphic. <laughs> it's pretty graphic. Yeah. Eli Roth is like, it's not that bad. It's just because it's a trailer. So you've got all of the like really rough stuff all cut together at once. Right. And so he had to plead his case to the ratings board in order to earn the R rating that the movie has. He was forced to re-edit the trailer and add additional distressing to the film to cover parts of the gore. So <laughs> in this trailer, there's a couple shots where you see what would be a very, very, very graphic shot. And then suddenly there's an error on the film that covers it. Yeah. That's intentional. <laughs> that was placed there specifically to gain an R rating. Oh, my God. And finally, we have Hobo with a Shotgun. Hobo with a Shotgun was only featured on select screenings in Canada. Most Americans did not see this trailer until it made its way onto the Blu-ray 
or on YouTube, and it was made by Canadian filmmakers Jason Eisner, John Davies, and Rob Corderill, and they won a trailers contest at South by Southwest, hosted by Robert Rodriguez, which is why they were able to get their trailer screened along with <laughs> Grindhouse. And they, along with Machete, have the distinction of having their trailers made into full-length films because Hobo with a Shotgun was made into a feature film in 2010 starring Rutger Hauer. It's good. I've seen it. Have you seen it? Rutger Hauer would make it amazing. I was like thinking about that. I was like, I bet that's great. (laughs) So that is what we have for our fake trailers. When I saw this in theaters, I saw it with everything at Quentin Tarantino's theater. And it is a slog. It's a long, long one to watch. Yeah, that would have been hard for me to sit through with my ADHD. Right. Like, Yeah, they still do it every once in a while. Like, If you want to see them together, the new Bev shows them pretty frequently, and a lot of art housey theaters around the country will show them. But usually I find that people that like Grindhouse fall in one camp or the other. They're either a death-proof person or a planet par- terror person. Neither is wrong or right. I would say personal opinion, and it depends on what you like about Grindhouse films, I think, determines where you end up. That's fair. Are we ready to get into the actual movie? Yeah. Let's get into the actual movie. Planet Terror. Yeah, let's do it. Planet Terror. So we open with an amazing soundtrack and with Rose McGowan go-go dancing. (laughs) Fun fact, she and Robert Rodriguez were dating at the time. Really? Okay. Yeah. They are not now, but at the time, they were dating. And she ends up licking the mirror. It's kind of a cool montage of shots. Not when you're at Starbucks with people in line like that. can see your laptop this is not a this is not a fun moment so she lies back against the pole and kind of against the mirror and starts crying and they've timed the music so that as her mouth opens as she's crying the horns for the end of the song play so it looks like they're coming out of her mouth yes i noticed that i was like why is she full-on open mouth crying and then i I hear the horn sound and i was like oh that's weird and this is the credits by the way this is like we're 10 seconds into this movie and this movie's like by the way it's about to be a fucking weird one yeah (laughs) like get ready but this is when she goes backstage at Skip's Go-Go-A-Thon or whatever the place yeah, is called. Yeah, Go-Go Emporium. <laughs> but he, she walks back there and there are two women making out, just whatever. They're just making out back there. And then Skip comes up and he's like, if you're going to make out, make out on stage. <laughs> if you're going to do that shit, do it on stage. Sexy as hell. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is. There is so much sexual harassment in this scene. <laughs> That like, yes. You would be hard pressed to name all of it. But yes. Yeah, so and then he comes up to Cherry, who is Rose McGowan's character. And he basically says, how many times I told you, you got to stop crying all that shit. Go, go dance is go, go, not cry, cry. And <laughs> he's not even listening to her answer his question. He's just like motoring through it. And she says, I'm quitting. And he says, you say that once a week. And she says, I mean it this time. And she takes down a sign off the mirror that says, Girls leaving early must check out with their finger in a bye-bye slip. Basically meaning like, if you're leaving early, you're fired. Yeah. So she flips him off and says, here's my finger, and then takes a wad of cash out of his hand and says, and here's my bye-bye slip. And she walks out of the go-go emporium. 
I did think it was interesting knowing what I knew about this film already because I'd seen trailers and stuff for it, you know, with the gun leg and stuff. When she's explaining to him that she's quitting, she is zipping up the boot on the leg that is about to be a gun yeah. and says, I need a dramatic change in my life as she's zipping that up. And I was like, it's intentional. Oh, oh I'm sure it's intentional. I'm sure everything's intentional. In this. But I thought that that was hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. She quits. She takes the wad of cash and she just walks out of there. Yeah. And she's just walking down the road. There's kind of an eerie fog. It's yeah. a dark night. And she is literally run off the road by a caravan of Jeeps carrying soldiers or yeah. what appear to be soldiers. She falls over into some trash cans and injures her leg. Basically, on she has like chunks of glass stuck in her leg. Oh, we, we don't see that until later. But I was like, what was in her leg? How did that yeah. get there? Oh, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that she then, after getting that injury, walked all the way to the bone. <laughs> yeah, shed. yeah. Yeah. When I, t- when I get like a four inch piece of glass in my leg, what I'll do is walk three miles. <laughs> I know. Oh, I thought I, that was that before I take it so, out. So in heels, too. That would have been so painful. So we cut to a shot of the sign next to where she fell, which says military base two miles. Yeah. We cut to the military base, and Abby uh, gets out of the Jeep to talk to the group at the base. As he's talking to them, the camera kind of pans over to a cage where something or someone has escaped. And he basically starts berating the group that's there because they, quote, lost his specimens. This whole scene is bonkers to me. Yes. Because Abby goes from being like this super aggressive, like literally cutting someone's balls off guy to then being that guy he just sort of assaulted when Bruce Willis gets there. Like this whole scene is nuts. And then it's not like a up and up military base, right? No, 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 no. No. So what we do find out later is this is an old abandoned military base. Mm, so he's yeah. been using it to hide the stuff that we will find out later. He is selling to Bruce Willis and his men yeah. when they kind of take over the base. But he tells this guy that, you know, they've arrived. There's already a group there. He tells him, I don't trust you anymore. And you know the rules. I want your balls. And he keeps a jar of people's balls. (laughs) Oh, I thought those were rats. Those are testicles. Those are testicles. I thought those were test subject rats. Those are testicles. Those are testicles. What? Yeah. Yeah, I want your balls. And he says, I'm quite attached to them. And he says, well, I was really attached to my specimens. And so... A man from his team walks over with what I can only describe as ball-cutting scissors and removes that man's testicles. He steps on it and then he basically says, pick this up, please, and adds it to the jar. Like He, like, keeps them. Oh, my God. And thankfully, after, they shoot that guy. Because otherwise, he would have bled out. He would have died of blood loss and shock, but they shoot him. Um, As he's doing so, we hear a beeping noise as... All of the soldiers that arrived with Abby look at tanks that they're carrying, almost kind of like a duffel bag, and all of their tanks turn red. They're all connected to gas masks, so they have something that they're inhaling. We don't really know much about it yet. The lead soldier gets out of the Jeep and walks forward. He takes his mask off, and it's Bruce Willis. And he (laughs) says, where's the shit? And Abby says, it's right here. The deal is still good. And he says, you held out on me and now I want all of it. They end up getting into a firefight, shooting everybody. He falls in his pile of balls from the jar. 
So it's so gross now that I know it's testicles. There's yeah. some on his face. Ugh, yeah. Bruce Willis's skin starts to bubble. Yeah. And Abby shoots the tanks and Bruce Willis says, where's the shit? He says, everywhere. Yeah. The green, very, very similar to Return of the Living Dead, green fog, smoke, gas, yeah. gas escapes into the air. For people who are not part of the military group that's arrived, walking through that gas melts their faces off, but the soldiers walk into the cloud and inhale deeply. Yeah. Abby runs to a nearby jeep and drives off away from the clouds of the gas, but an infected person climbs on top of the Jeep as he drives off. We cut to a parking lot at the Bone Shack, a barbecue yeah. restaurant, where an overheating car pulls into the parking lot. A woman gets out. It's Fergie of the Black Eyed Peas. I was about to say, it's not just a woman. It's freaking Fergie right here. It's Fergie Ferg. Let me love you long time. Uh, yeah. So... She argues that it's just overheating and that she needs to get to town, so she's trying to put water in the radiator. Yeah, she seems to know a lot about cars. Yeah, she's got a stripped mm -hmm. radiator cap. It yeah. leaks when it heats up. Cherry walks past her up into the barbecue restaurant with that huge gash in her leg. Yeah. <laughs> JT comes down from the restaurant and hands Fergie a gallon of spring water that he bottles from the dam in, like, milk gallons. Yeah. He offers her basically like, hey, do you want to stay and have some of the best barbecue in Texas? And she says, I got to go. And he says, saving lives, are you? And she says, now, how did you know that? And gets in the car. And as she drives off, he says, now that's a rump roast. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. I was like, OK, that's what this is going to be about. Oh, the whole time. Yeah. Uh-huh. The whole movie. Yeah. The whole movie. From there, we cut to a house where a alarm clock goes off. An alarm clock goes off at 8 p.m. Yeah. This confused me completely. Because I was like, it's at night, right? Like, why? what's going on? Yeah, it's at night. They're, they're working the swing shift is yeah. what it is. But they made the kid have the same sleep schedule? That I don't know. We don't find out much about it, but it sounds like it. Although they have the kids supposedly going to bed at 10. So I would imagine the kid's been up all day with someone. Okay, okay. Yeah. So the woman, we don't know her name yet, but she opens the window, the curtains to reveal the moon with a green tinge. And she says, it's a beautiful night. Yeah. <laughs> we cut to her in the kitchen. Because Josh Brolin just goes, coffee, <laughs> as he gets up. It's insane. We cut, we cut to the kitchen where she's on the phone with somebody. We don't know who. But she says, yeah. I couldn't get work off. You only have to stay till 10. A friend will be here to pick up Tony, who is their son, who's sitting eating dinner breakfast yeah i think it's cereal but yeah I yeah think it is cereal. I, that's why i was like so confused the whole time yeah uh she tells the person on the phone be sure when my friend gets here to give him the suitcase under your bed as tony's playing with the toys he says i'm gonna eat your brains and gain your knowledge yes it's weird and almost sing-songy the way he delivers it he exactly like i just did it yeah i'm gonna eat your brains and gain your knowledge uh, uh -huh. and it cracks me up every time she hands josh brolin a coffee and josh brolin sits next to tony and says say a prayer for dada tonight no dead bodies for dada tonight that's a weird thing to make your son say who's like that young yeah did you also notice the cereal he was eating no they're shark shaped cereals it's great white bites 
<laughs> it just wow. like you kind of catch it off the side in the frame and it makes me laugh every time that's hilarious so the mom hangs up her phone and says the babysitter's on her way and josh brolin turns to tony and says do you believe her and tony says no and he says i don't either what we don't have a ton of context for that necessarily except that when she was on the phone she seems to be kind of hiding from josh brolin a yeah little bit. it's a little whispered things seem very yeah. weird in this house they don't have a great yeah. marital relationship we're gonna find out yeah. yeah so we cut back to the bathroom at the bone shack where cherry is cleaning her leg wound and this is how we know it's glass because she's pulling shards of glass out and tossing them into the toilet yeah i think what's sad about this is that it definitely doesn't seem like the first time she's done this no <laughs> cherry's a badass man cherry is a badass we see a tow truck pull up into the barbecue place parking lot it says ray's wreckage on the side yeah this scene and some of the other scenes in this movie although there is kind of a blend uh the score is very very reminiscent of john carpenter scores it sounds a lot lot like mm -hmm. it um you can even kind of hear it in some of the scenes it's pretty interesting so ray walks out of the tow truck and up into the barbecue restaurant where a dog is eating at the counter <laughs> i love that the dog is fully seated at the counter eating barbecue <laughs> eating barbecue <laughs> and if that dog had telepathically spoken to somebody i'd have been like that makes sense in this movie <laughs> yeah. um, he, he asks to buy cigarettes because apparently this barbecue restaurant also sells cigarettes yeah and JT tosses him a pack of red apple cigarettes free of charge because he says tonight is a special night. They've been open 25 years. Yay. That's a big anniversary for a small business. Yeah, it yeah. is. Ray raises his cup of coffee to toast and JT scoops up a mug of barbecue sauce and toasts. <laughs> and then drinks out of it. And drinks out yeah. of it. Mugs. They're not just for coffee anymore. My sister <laughs> walked around my wedding with a mug of chili, eating chili out of a mug. I have so <laughs> much respect for your sister right now. I know, all right? So Ray says, if it's 25 years, you should basically be having a party. And he says, I am. You're the second person to show up. He says, who is the first? And he motions to Cherry seated in a booth in the back of the restaurant. Yeah. Ray stands up, walks over to Cherry's table and addresses her as Palomita. Palomita, which means little dove. I looked it up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you looked that up because I was like, what does that mean? He, he has a tattoo of a dove as well that we see later in um when i think the police are booking him but he also has like a tattoo of a liger on his chest so oh he's got so many tattoos like i know like he's got a lot of tattoos yeah but the dove means a lot you know what i just wanted to meet the woman that's named liger or whatever <laughs> he has a tattoo for every woman he's in love with that was his mom <laughs> oh i'm out i don't want to pull on the thread too much her name was Carol Baskins. <laughs> <laughs> and together they killed her husband. He never misses. <laughs> uh, he calls her Palomita. She says, I don't go by that anymore because it's the name you gave me. Yes. He asks her, did you ever become that fancy doctor? And she says, nope. And he says, I thought you would. You talked about it enough. And she says, that's the problem with goals. They become the thing that you are trying to do while you're doing the real thing. Basically, yeah, while you're like, doing the other you, things. Yeah. He says, that's my jacket. I looked for it for two weeks. 
And she said, well, you didn't look for me. And he says, well, the jacket belonged to me. You didn't. Yeah. Aww. Which is, I actually, I, this movie is insane, but there are a lot of points where he, as a character specifically, is like, you're your own person and you're strong and that's why I love you. And yeah. I, mm-hmm. I kind of love it. Yeah. It's also a really nice jacket. It, it is. is a really nice jacket. I'd have looked for two weeks for that jacket. Yep. Especially if I had an $8 engagement ring stashed in a pocket. <laughs> that's much later, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> it does look like something he got out of a quarter machine. Yeah. So uh, he asks her what she's going to do next. She says she's going to be a stand-up comedian. And he yeah. says, you're not funny. And she's like, well, everyone said I did. And so I booked shows in town. And then she says, that's the difference between being frank and being a dick. It's good to see you again. And he says, what do you go by now? She says, Cherry Darling. And yeah. he says, well, it sounds like a stripper. And she's like, no, it's a go-go dancer. There's a difference. <laughs> and he says, you'll always be Palomita to me. And then she asks him for a ride. And then he says, I'll give you a ride. I just love how his voice immediately gets raspier at the end of it. I'll give you a ride. Where's the thing? <laughs> yeah, uh, he goes like full Batman towards the end. Yeah. So we cut to the hospital where the couple that just woke up at 8 p.m. Uh, with Tony, uh, they arrive at work. As they arrive, the doctor couple side story is like so weird and i think it's it very down, weird it drags down the rest of the movie oh no i sort of like it i think bobo heather graham does a great job in this role right and even in this scene it's like a really small thing but when she walks in she says goodbye bill and he says don't you mean see you later and she goes sure yeah <laughs> and i was like oh she's fully leaving him tonight like that's the plan yeah yes uh that's why tony needs the suitcase and everything yes so Josh Brolin, who's the main doctor, he goes in to inspect a bite on a patient's arm and it's quickly necrotizing. Yeah. Where he's basically saying, like, what'd you get bit by? And the guy says, you wouldn't believe me. Just sew it up. And he says, but it doesn't bleed. Uh, while they're doing this, they're going through pictures of infections on a computer behind them. It is so gross. And honestly, it's like Josh Brolin, who's a doctor and another doctor. Right. Josh Brolin's actually like addressing the patient and trying to help. Right. The other doctor is like Googling gross infections and is yes. fully not helping the situation at all. He's the Andy Richter of doctors. Yeah. <laughs> this is the last thing I would want to happen at, a, at an emergency room. But I feel like, Mikey, if we were doctors doing this, you'd be the one Googling gross penis infections. I mean, that would be done at the nurse's station, not in a patient room. That's that's appropriate. <laughs> that's an appropriate boundary. Yeah. You got to be professional, Mikey, when you're Googling yeah, exactly. this kind of stuff. That makes sense. True, true. So. This is the first time that we see Josh Brolin pick up a thermometer and compulsively check his temperature. Yes. And it becomes yeah. something he does the entire time in this movie. He also basically diagnoses this bite as a chronic viral ulcerative lesion, lesion and it is spreading. They also reveal that he has a fever of 105. Which is very bad. That's near deadly. And they yeah. say that if it gets to 108, that would be deadly. But I want to say that like 105 is pretty damn deadly on its own. It's not healthy. 
But he, the other doctor is not concerned at all. It's like 107, you'd be dead. 105, you'll be fine. It's like whatever. He's the worst doctor <laughs> in the world. He's pretty bad. Yeah. Josh Brolin takes out another thermometer to take the patient's temperature, oh. and when he sticks his tongue out, it is. Oh, I hated this. All fucked oh, up. Oh yeah. The tongue is full of abscesses. It's so and weird. he it's says so gross. all abscesses should be drained, and so he pops one, and it gets on his glasses. Oh, oh it was the worst. It was so gross. Yeah, he should have had a face shield. Yeah, they didn't have proper PPE, Paige. Right. Yeah. He picks up his phone and calls his wife and just says, baby, get the needles. And she says, be right there. So she grabs a pack of needles and puts another needle in like a cool leg holster. She's got like a thigh holster. It's very cool. She's got like a thigh holster. And then she's got the pack of three in her front pocket. <laughs> yes. She gets to the operating room where they tell the patient that it's spreading but we're seeing signs of gangrene. I would say this bite is over 14 days old. Is that possible? And the guy says, no. It was just like 30 minutes ago. And they tell him, you got to lose the arm, Joe, or else this infection is going to take over your chest and we can't amputate your chest. Right. And so she walks in and this is where she says, I'm going to give you a strong anesthetic so you won't feel anything. And that's basically where she goes through the yellow, the blue and the red needles. So like, yeah, yellow is going to pinch a bit. Blue takes the edge off. And after red, you'll never see me again. Yeah. We cut back to Fergie's car, which has stalled out again by the military base. On her radio, we actually hear a dedication to Jungle Julia in Loving Memory. Jungle Julia is the DJ who dies in the first half of Death Proof. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's cool. It's not the radiator this time. She doesn't know what has stalled the car out. She grabs a flashlight and walks down the road. She tries to flag down three different cars, but they all drive past her. And then she gets jumped by zombies. Yeah, the third time she gets eaten by zombies, and they drag her off the road just as Ray and Cherry drive past. And Cherry remarks, what is that? Ray basically tells her, oh, it's just people picking up roadkill. Yeah. Uh, The eating of venison has risen 30%. 60% of that is roadkill. And he goes into this like mini lecture of like when you're driving 70 and there's a deer, you can't swerve. You just got to pick them off, push them away from you. Yeah. As he's saying this, he swerves and rolls the truck and they settle. The truck settles. They're both okay. And she says, I thought you said you shouldn't fucking swerve. Yeah. Which is so funny. He says that wasn't a deer. She screams. She's pulled out of the car window. He gets a huge sniper rifle and goes after her and starts trying to pick off the zombies that are attacking her. And he does manage to get them away from her, but not before they steal her leg. We cut to she's at the hospital. (laughs) It's so weird. She's at the hospital. And they're like, where's the leg? And he's like, they took the leg. I shot at them and I I never miss. miss. Yeah. Enter the sheriff of this town, played by Michael Bain, a.k.a. Kyle Reese from Terminator. He's so good at everything he does. I honestly really wanted the sheriff and JT, the barbecue guys, love story. They're brothers. They're brothers. What? They were brothers? Yes. When? When? How are they? What are you talking? They explicitly talk about it multiple times. They say it so many times. Oh, I thought they were like talking in like the wrestling sense, like brother, you're my brother. No, they're brothers. Oh, shit. Okay. 
I didn't realize that they were actual brothers. They're actual brothers. All right. Uh, so he's he's the sheriff, and his deputy is Tom Savini. Yes, and I love that Tom Savini was in this movie. Yes, and we'll we'll get to some of his contributions later on. As they walk in, they're gonna take Ray away for questioning, as you should if you just show up with somebody with a leg off. Yeah. As they do that, the amputee surgeon pops out of the operating room to talk to Josh Brolin and asks. Do you want to be here for this, taking your friend's arm off? And he says, no, you go ahead and handle it. And he says, suit yourself, and then goes back into the operating room. Then we cut to the cops questioning Ray in the hospital. And we find out that Ray's not supposed to have guns at all, not with his history, which we don't know. We never get an explanation for that. This movie sets up so many great questions and doesn't answer any of them. And it doesn't answer a single one. Yeah, But he's legit like you're not allowed to have a rifle. Yeah, you're not allowed to have a rifle. And now you show up with this girl and a missing leg that's now missing. Which is a great (laughs) a missing leg that's now missing and you shot at them and as they're talking ray is looking around and seeing everyone with the infection in the hospital yeah they've got like lesions on their neck and face and stuff and he's like we need to get out of here yeah and the sheriff is like my thoughts exactly and let's go downtown <laughs> yeah cuts him up and takes him downtown now we cut back to the bone shack where JT is alone, but he sees someone standing outside in the parking lot. He watches them as he starts working on the perfect sauce to try and get on the Food Network. He picks up his hot dog phone, and he's like talking about his Food Network plans, and then hangs up, and he checks outside again. Now there's two. He goes outside and offers them barbecue, but they don't respond. We cut right back to the hospital, where we've got three fresh basically bodies rolling in dead on arrival mm-hmm. and josh brolin inspects each of them and finds fergie and we do get to turn fergie's head over and realize that her brain has been scooped out of her skull <laughs> i like this because josh brolin's like oh fucking wednesdays <laughs> yeah, she got friggin melon balled yeah <laughs> like she real... got fully melon balled but he literally says somebody call my wife yeah well he breaks the thermometer in his mouth yes that's right and yeah. and then says somebody call my wife um, we cut back to the sheriff's office where Ray is on the phone and he actually says on the phone, DC2? Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Okay, thank you. We never find out who he called or why he has insider intel on what's going to happen later in the movie yeah. that he doesn't tell anybody, but he does talk about DC2 in this phone call. One of the older deputies is going home and he knows Ray as well. Basically, everyone in this police station knows Ray and they have kind of a a civil conversation, I would say, even though they're clearly questioning him. Yeah, I mean, Ray asks about older deputies names, Earl. We asked about his wife like she's got she's sick. She's got lung cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like Ray seems like a nice guy. Like everyone knows him, but knows he's not allowed to have guns, you know? Well, it does seem like he's like the problem child around town right although they ask him if he's just passing through which means he's not always around right. town mm-hmm. so yeah it doesn't really explain uh but what's really funny is earl asks him like you don't smoke do you and that's probably good and he's like no sir and then as soon as earl leaves he lights a cigarette yeah. inside <laughs> so kyle reese michael bain turns to him and says we're gonna start with when you first started carrying this gun and we'll move up to when you met cherry we cut to cherry waking up in the hospital she finds her leg gone with the stump fitted for a prosthetic and she almost gets sick because it's a lot to take in she is clearly overwhelmed and very upset i honestly think she handles it pretty well yeah there's no one there to be like hey i realize that this might be jarring but your leg is gone jt calls the sheriff and the sheriff says 
you know, how's it going over there? And he said, it'd be nice if the landlord didn't raise the rent all the time, which we find out later the sheriff is his landlord. Dude, that's why I didn't think they were brothers. Why would yeah. you do that to your brother? That's shitty. Because he wants his barbecue recipe. Well, and you can't live a place for free if you own it. Of course you'd say that, Mikey. So he says, I'm not calling my brother. I'm calling the sheriff. Two delinquents won't purchase or leave. And this is where we get the ultimatum of like, you know, if you want the rent to not be raised again, you could give me the recipe. And he says, literally, I could die in your arms and I wouldn't tell you. Literally, it is Chekhov's barbecue recipe at this point. It is Chekhov's barbecue recipe. Now, we cut back to the hospital where Josh Brolin shows his wife, Fergie, with her scooped out brain. Yes. And then basically find he takes Fergie's phone out of her pocket and leads his wife to a private office where he basically interrogates her. And he is like, did you know she was back in town? No. What happened to her? I don't know. I thought you stopped seeing each other. We did. And he's like, well, yeah, now that she's dead... And his wife's kind of backpedaling like, well, we haven't talked in a while, but you've written each other here and there. And he tries to take her phone to compare the messages and she won't give him the phone. So he takes some of her needles and stabs her in the hand with her own needles. Yeah, over and over again. It was over, Yeah. Over and over again until she loosens her grip and drops the phone. And he compares the messages, basically confirming that she was leaving him either for Fergie or just with Fergie. Either way. Yeah, it's never really explained right. whether they were like lovers or she's just like a good close friend who was helping her out. I yeah. do think there are some indications later in the film that would suggest they were lovers. I thought I got that vibe too, but I don't think it ever yeah. explains it, right? Right. I mean, the, he, in this scene, he does says, "I think you've stopped seeing each other," yeah. which would imply lovers as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But she basically says, "I didn't want to hurt you," and he says, "But you did." And then she says, you're insane. And I was afraid of what you do. I'm the mother of your son. And he's going to stab her with the red needle. And we don't know what he's going to do. He just says, after this one, I'll never see you again. Yeah. But they get interrupted. So he locks her in a supply closet and goes out into the hallway where one of the EMTs shows him the bodies that they just brought in and they're gone. And he's like, well, they couldn't just get up and walk away. Except that there are bloody footprints leading down the hallway. <laughs> like, they fully got up and walked away. They yeah. fully got up and walked away. We cut back to the sheriff's office where Tom Savini comes in and he's complaining that someone that he tried to apprehend bit his finger off, including his wedding ring. Yeah. They go outside to try and handle the person because I guess it was in the back of the cop <laughs> he car. The, he was in the police cruiser. Yeah. That person has broken out of the window and is now trying to attack and bite the arms of everyone else there. They do find his wedding ring that he ends up putting on his middle finger instead. I loved that handoff between the guy who found the ring and Tom Savini because he walks over and it's yeah. like this really long shot of him like walking up and Tom seeing it and then reaching out and Tom reaching out and then the zombie <laughs> bites his arm off right. and then instead of helping Tom goes to get the wedding ring <laughs> the and ring. Then he tries to put it on his stub finger and then he puts it on his middle <laughs> finger because it wouldn't stay on right. his stub finger. I thought that was real funny. It was great. Um, but now there's multiple people there, multiple infected people. Oh, yeah. They're surrounded by zombies. Yes. And the sheriff asks Ray, do you think one of these could be your leg snatcher? They literally are guns ablazing trying to fight them off but they are quickly overrun backup comes and even backup is overrun a guy pauses over ray he like has him pinned to the ground and something comes out of his mouth we don't know what it is Ugh. 
and Ray shoots him. Ray gets in his truck to try and go get Cherry. I thought it was insane how many cop cars explode for literally no reason in this scene. Oh, it's budget cuts. Budget cuts? <laughs> to the police department. <laughs> to the police department, not to this movie. Right, yeah. But I mean, literally, like, while they're fighting these zombies, they're not shooting at the cars even, but the cars are exploding, and then when the sheriff says, fine, I'll go with you, but we're taking my car, then, he, like, the fighting's done, and his car fully just explodes out of nowhere. Yes, exactly. Fine, I'm riding with you <laughs> so they get in race truck to go to the hospital we cut to the hospital and it is now full yeah and josh brolin and his other doctor friend are deciding that they're gonna leave yeah they're fully gonna ditch everybody yeah and josh brolin says first i want to get my wife as he passes the amputation room he sees that his friend with the bone saw has attacked the surgeon yeah and now has taken command of the bone saw itself and he tries to get josh brolin with it he manages to cut his glasses off his face but then the cord runs out so he basically punctures a legion on his face and smears it on Josh Brolin's face. Oh, so disgusting. This was the grossest part of the movie, and I am not normally super affected by, like, gross-out stuff. This is the grossest part, not the part later at the base? No, this was the grossest part. For me, this right. was grossest Because well. he's, like, it's smeared on his face and gets in his mouth. Yes, this was... So gross. This and the other gross out horror in this are the reason this is not a one for me. The base scene, which I think you're talking about, is too unrealistic. This one was like, okay, okay he popped a, a, a pustule and like, yeah, like, yeah. there's something that could happen, you know? And I was like, ugh, like worst case scenario. Yeah, Mikey, I completely agree. This feels very plausible to me. Whereas Quentin Tarantino have a dick that sloughs stuff off every time he takes his pants off. Like, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> so we cut to the officer who left earlier, Earl. Yeah. And he's feeding his wife, who has lung cancer, soup. And he complains that she farts like a pack mule. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a call from the police station where they're basically like, hey, I hate to do this to you, but it is all hands on deck because shit just hit the Fan. And it did. Yeah. yeah, it's the zombie apocalypse. They basically like this is our, what we've always trained for, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, he turns back to his wife to keep feeding her, but she is now very dead and now a zombie. Yes, which was a quick. That's a quick turn right there. It honestly ties up a very loose end for him, so he can move on and help out. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, I get why they did that story-wise. This is just the story he tells people. He really just shot her and moved on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's dark. So Josh Brolin's wife, the uh, anesthesiologist, jumps out of a window. She manages to make it to her car, but her hands are still numb, so she can't open the door with her hand. She basically puts her hand through the handle and then tries to use oh, her foot oh. to open it. This messed me up, too, because she slips and it, like, breaks her hand. I don't know if it breaks her hand, because she does use her hands later, but it definitely... I guess that's true, yeah. It definitely dislocates her wrist, oh, yeah. I would say. Ugh. She does get the door open, she puts the keys in with her teeth and starts the car. In doing so, she chips a tooth and, like, spits it out yeah. Yeah. in the car. <laughs> Honestly, starting a car with your mouth to me is more impressive than the cherry stem trick. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 and yeah. she she ends up using, she has like... Well, I don't know. I've never practiced uh, the starting the car with the mouth. True. <laughs> Wait, so you practice the cherry stem? <laughs> I know the cherry stem thing is hard because I've tried it. Mm -hmm. What if uh, turning a car on with your mouth is easy? Maybe. It does not seem like it would be easy. I mean, mine would. I have a push button start, but like... 
<laughs> so she uses her watch. She like expands her watch band to loop it around the shifter to basically get the car into drive. Yes. And drives off hitting everyone because she can't really steer. Meanwhile, as she drives off, Ray's truck arrives at the hospital. So did she know that there were zombies at that point or did she just hit a bunch of people she thought? <laughs> no, I think she's just trying to get away at that point. Yeah, I think she's just trying to get away. She was locked in that storage closet thing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... When the shit really hit the fan. So she may not know there's zombies yet. She may not. I feel like she figures it out oh, yeah. pretty fast. Yeah. God, I didn't kill those four people. So Ray's truck arrives at the hospital. He asks the sheriff to give him a gun and the sheriff says no. So he reaches into one of his glove compartments and takes out butterfly knives instead, which he just like <laughs> has. Tom Savini shoots randomly. Well, it shoots randomly and kills someone who's not infected, who literally is like holding one of those like IV bags in like a <laughs> hospital <laughs> gown and is going, help me. And Yes. So it's him. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, oh, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> What's even funnier is the very next scene where Ray comes into the hospital and he puts on gloves, but he does it next to two zombies literally eating and tearing a person apart. He's <laughs> just like, gonna get these gloves. Well, I think it's because Ray knows he what's going on and doesn't want to get infected. Yeah, and, and I think that's from the phone call before. I yes. don't think that's telegraphed really well, but I think that's that's where it's from. I also think Ray's a freaking ninja with these knives, man, because he is running yeah. around the hospital, yeah. like, jumping off of walls, stabbing them. Like, it's insane. Well, this is where we find out that Ray is, like, a badass. Ex-military special forces. We don't deal. know what he is. We just know that he's L. Ray. Yeah. So we find that out later. <laughs> So he basically massacres a whole hallway of zombies uh, while also dodging blood spray, which I think is really kind of yes, <laughs> like yeah, really he's cool. the only one who tries to do it. Well, he's the only one that knows to do it, I think, at this point, because he knows what's going yeah. on, whereas no one else does. No one else does. He sees Cherry's boot. He gets to her room. She's hiding under a sheet and she can't walk and she's crying about it. Oh, my God. And then she says. I was going to be a stand-up comedian, which shouldn't which be really as funny, funny as it yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> but it kind of is. I Okay, I thought his response to this was wild. Wildly offensive, yeah. yes. It, that is a very 2007 response where now we're like, oh, you can't. Mm -mm. Yeah, because what he says is some of the best jokes are about cripples. That's something you probably shouldn't say. And I was like, oh, oh God, Ray, careful now. But then yeah. Cherry continues like crying and saying, I have no leg. And Ray, who is fed up with this, just breaks a leg off of a chair and slams it into her stump and says, now you have a leg. Yeah, it's the, it's the table leg. He like snaps the table and the table collapses, which like, I don't know what kind of weird prop table this was that he could just snatch a leg off of it. But he does and then shoves it on the stump. Basically, this allows her to at least kind of move through the hospital with him. Yeah. Even if it's not super graceful. They make it outside. They hop in the trunk. He thinks that the cops have found an, like another car or another way out. So he doesn't wait for them. Uh, she has to run and then jump to make it on the truck because he's literally pulling away without her. Well, she can't open the door. She has trouble opening the door, but probably because that truck has sustained body damage when it rolled because Ray can't drive for shit. I also That's think that true. he's doing kind of a weird tough love thing. With her, which is probably why they broke up. <laughs> this is why I always open the door for Natalie, because I just don't want to. I just don't want to deal with it. I'm just gonna open it, let her in, then I'll start the car. It's fine. Uh, we call that enabling. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I call it shivery. Shivery. <laughs> so the truck drives off. We cut to the Josh Brolin and his wife's house. Yeah. Where his wife arrives home and we meet for the first time. The crazy babysitter twins. Yes. yes. They are actual twins. This is their first movie role, and they've since become kind of famous outside the U.S. Wait, really? Yeah, really. They basically cuss her out, and they're like, your friend never showed up, and we got shit to do. And she says, then start doing it, and kicks them out of the house. Yes. And says, Tony, we're leaving. And Tony pauses to pick up his tarantula, his scorpion, and his turtle and put them all in one little terrarium <laughs> before they get into the car. And she said, I can't, I told you, you can't bring them all. And he asks her about his pocket bike. She tells him it's in the trunk. As they're about to drive off in the car, the twins attack the car. With like rakes and shit. With like rakes and golf. I think one's a golf club. They And they are way aggressive and cussing her out and climbing on the car and but you know twins are always kind of weird i don't know that that's true mikey i mean these ones specifically are the crazy babysitter twins so (laughs) now everyone convenes at jt's where michael bain the sheriff dumps out something called the all or nothing box i love this part and it's just full of badges he legit deputizes everyone except for ray (laughs) yeah everyone except for ray and he says something's wrong jt always comes out to greet uh so they're gonna go up to the barbecue place and he says try not to shoot yourselves don't shoot each other and especially don't shoot me yeah it's the three rules of being a cop foreshadowing too oh yeah absolutely They come up to the barbecue restaurant and they find JT behind the counter with what looks like intestines splayed (laughs) out of his torso. Oh my God, yeah. But JT sits up and it turns out that it's just sausage links. (laughs) Well, and the dog is like eating them off of his stomach. Yes. And and then Ray picks up one of the sausage links and starts eating it too. Yeah. Yeah, he's damn good barbecue, JT. Yeah. At this point, the sheriff announces that they need to gather supplies because they head out in 20. JT realizes that he's finally made the perfect barbecue sauce, and it turns out the secret ingredient was his His blood. blood. I want to point out that they only have 20 minutes before they have to leave, right? Yeah, right. All right, now we can move on, but we need to focus (laughs) on the fact that they only have 20 minutes. Oh, wait, is it really only 20 minutes? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's not an overnight. It's not a couple hours. Right. It's 20 minutes. Let's not think about that, but put a pin in 20 minutes. We'll come back to it. So- the anesthesiologist, Josh Brolin's wife, pulls up to her dad's house, or at least what we will find out is her dad's house, and honks. This part got real dark real quick, and I was not Very. expecting it. <laughs> it was so terrible. I hated this. And you say as you're laughing. <laughs> yes. It's like the scene in Pulp Fiction where they accidentally shoot Marvin in the yes. back seat. Yes. It is almost exactly like that. So she pulls up to the house. She's honking, but no one's coming out. And so she turns to Tony and says, I want you to open the glove compartment for mommy. Take the gun and be careful. If anyone comes to the door that isn't me, shoot them. What if it's daddy? Especially if it's daddy. (laughs) And she warns him not to to shoot himself. She warns him not to point the gun at his face. She says, be careful where you point it. You'll blow your own face off. She exits the car, walks towards the house. When we hear a gunshot, she rushes back to the car. Tony has shot himself in the face. Oh, my God. I could not believe they actually did that. It, it was almost too dark to fit with the rest of the movie. 
it was debated whether or not it would make it into the movie. I have some fun facts about it. Later. Okay, because okay, I was like, oh, this kind of throws me off. Because it's like the movie stops for me right here. I'm like, well, the kid just shot himself accidentally, and it's real sad. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah you're you're just like, huh, 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 she just said not to. Yeah. <laughs> like, th- there is an element of it where you're just like, huh, huh. She oh, explicitly no. told him not to do that. Right. As she is trying to pull his body from the car and freaking out, obviously. Clearly, yeah. Yeah, Josh Brolin shows up, pulls out a clump of her hair, and he says, I'm going to eat your brains and gain your knowledge. Which is so weird. It's so weird. She carries Tony's body up and bangs on the front door of the house. She's met by Earl holding an axe. We see that the entire house behind him is covered in blood. Yeah. And he says, I thought I told you I didn't want to see you anymore. And she just says, Daddy. (laughs) So he lets her inside. (laughs) So uh, we cut back to the barbecue where JT says, if it's escape vehicles you want, I've got him. And he basically takes them to his collection of cars and motorcycles. He points one out where he says, I made Jesse James a plate of barbecue so good, he made me this chopper free of charge. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was insane. They're like, oh, I know how they got this in the movie. Right. Yeah. This scene sponsored definitely. by Jesse James Choppers or whatever the fuck it's called. Jesse James Choppers. Yeah. Uh, he also has a convertible. Yes. So basically, JT can't drive when it's raining. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I used to ride a motorcycle in the rain, although it's not great. Doesn't sound fun. But this is where the sheriff pulls Ray aside and he just says, who are you? I mean, really? The side of your truck says Ray's wreckage. Are you a wrecker, Ray? And he just says, I'm nobody. And (laughs) then we cut to Cherry is sitting in JT's bedroom on his round waterbed. <laughs> yes. This is when Ray comes in, lays down on the bed and says, JT knows how to live. Like, that's the height <laughs> of luxury is a round waterbed. First, JT comes in and offers her barbecue because that's 90% of this movie is JT being like, try the ribs and the rest is zombies. Yeah. <laughs> so like... <laughs> He comes in to offer her barbecue uh, and they have just a quick little exchange where he's like, you should be a comedian. And she's like, well, what about the leg? And he's like, that's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Not what she was looking for, I think. Uh, But then Ray comes in and lays down on the waterbed. He does say JT knows how to live and he asks her about her leg. She says that she still can't feel it because they knocked it out really bad. Yeah. They have a conversation where she, I think, says something like it's so fucked up. And he just says, I like how you say fuck. And she says, fuck. Fuck you. Yeah, she says that word a lot in this scene. Yeah, and he repeats the, like, that's my jacket. I looked for it for two weeks. And she says, you were being a dick, and I was walking out on you. Yeah. It was cold. I took your jacket. And he says, did you find what was in the pocket? And she's like, no. And so she looks through the pockets, and she finds a ring box with a ring in it. And he says, I looked for it for two weeks. And the inscription on the ring says, two against the world. Yeah. And he says, I never forgot it. She says, I never forgot it. And he says, then why'd you leave? And she says, you didn't believe in us. And then they start to bone. Yes. In the bone shack. Boneception. <laughs> By the way, how do you get leverage and traction in a waterbed? Has anyone else made the love handshake in a waterbed? No. I don't know how you would do it. You gotta ride the waves, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they seem to do just fine. 
They seem to do fine. Well, we don't really get to see a lot of the sex scene because as well, it actually starts. So they are having sex. It's very, it's all soft focus and yeah. very ooh fancy. And then there's a close shot of she kind of leans back and the table leg comes up <laughs> in the background. Oh, yeah. And it gets me every time I watch this oh, movie. So yeah. It cracks me I did up. laugh. I again want to point out that this is another scene that made it hard to watch in a Starbucks. Well, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After the leg comes up, we get a shot of almost her full body. It looks like we're going to actually see some nudity. And there's a missing reel of the film. Yes. The footage melts across the screen. <laughs> we get essentially a technical difficulties ti like title card that says missing reel. And when we come back to the film, the barbecue restaurant is on fire as zombies <sighs> limp towards it. Everyone is in new outfits <laughs> and has new guns. This is my favorite joke of the whole film i think it is yes. by far the best because everything has changed yes we understand that ray and cherry are together now right but the sheriff is like very respectful towards ray now and he's like oh i didn't realize you were who you were or whatever if you if i would have known you were l ray we would have been brothers yeah who did you think it was you just added the in front of his name <laughs> what? That, i mean yeah of course it, that's him anyway there's also like a super hot deputy now <laughs> right like there's a super hot deputy but also the sheriff has been shot by tom savini yes <laughs> of course it was tom savini uh, so the sheriffs have been shot by Tom Savini and he's mortally wounded. Like he's going to die of it. Yeah, he's slowly going to die over the next 30 minutes of the film. Right. So and now that he knows that Ray is L. Ray, whatever that means, uh, he <laughs> says, I wouldn't have given you a hard time. Take this gun and do what you do best. Give him the gun. Give him all the guns. Give him all the and guns. And then Ray proceeds to do insane gun tricks. <laughs> I mean, it's just like Western, like gun spinny things on your fingers. Yeah, gun yeah. Spin <laughs> spinny things. But <laughs> Tom Savini's like, Holy shit. Yeah, holy shit. And then JT says, that boy's got the devil in him. <laughs> Which is like <laughs> equally crazy. Yes. Well, this is when they start to try and get out to the truck, right? This is where they try to get out to the truck. Everyone who has arrived at the barbecue restaurant now is the guy who owns the go-go place. Yes, Skip, who owns the go-go place. Along with the crazy babysitter twins. Yes. How did they get there? They're right. Well, and also the lady anesthesiologist is there now. And Earl. Yeah, yes. and her dad. And then the hot deputy, Tom Savini, Michael Bean, JT, Ray, and Cherry. So that's kind of our crowd. And wait, we probably just should clear up that when we say the hot deputy, we're not talking about Tom Savini. Or Michael Bean. <laughs> they have to get out to Ray's truck in the parking lot because they need it to take everybody. They don't have enough vehicles for everybody. Right. And so he tries to get the guy who owns the go-go dancing place to go, but he won't go. He basically tells him, I'll pick off zombies for you along the way. I never miss. He won't go still. So Cherry volunteers and she says, it's go, go, not cry, cry. And she runs out into the parking lot. <laughs> oh my he God. picks off zombies, clearing a path for her. She makes it to his truck, which he calls the killdozer. Yeah. <laughs> and drives it into the barbecue restaurant. So like up through the wall. Yes. Everyone gets into their cars with the sheriff driving the truck. Ray and Cherry get on the, or no, I'm sorry, Cherry and the anesthesiologist get on the motorcycle. Ray gets on the pocket bike. Oh my God. Yeah. The pocket bike stuff is insane to me. It's a little kid's motorbike 
thing. It's so dumb. Right. It's just so dumb looking. It is insane. I have to say, I fully love when they reveal the pocket bike. Ray gets on it. His knees are up at his shoulders because they're so high up on this pocket bike. And he wheelies the whole way. (laughs) And like flies off with like the other cars going just as fast as they are. That's insane. So they move as a caravan. Unfortunately, this is another one where it's like, this is maybe too dark for this movie and maybe should have been cut. JT's dog jumps out of the convertible and is run over. That makes me so sad. It's very sad. It's run over by the car behind and there's basically a spray of blood. They make it to the military base where they hit a blockade of the infected. Yes. And they ask, how much ammo do we have? Not enough, but it doesn't matter because soldiers appear behind that blockade and take out the horde of infected. Right. Bruce Willis walks to the front and says, all survivors have to come with us, especially you, L. Ray. Ray wakes up and everyone is in prison in quarantine. So they like knock him unconscious. Yeah, the lady anesthesiologist and Cherry sort of wake him up and they're like in quarantine. But this yeah. is where we get Abby back. Who's Zaid from Lost. Yes. yes. And he's a scientist and a businessman. <laughs> and a businessman. And he says, El Ray, is that you? He basically confirms what Ray, I think, found out on the phone where he's like, we were stealing DC2 or what they called Project Terror. Yeah. And they found the supply. They get regimented exposure and some people are not infected. And so likely the group that is now in quarantine are not affected by the airborne gases and are the key to the antidote. Yeah, because they would have been infected like everybody else. Right. Ray's suggestion at this point is that they go to Mexico and put their backs against the water and fight. And Abby is like, no, I need to finish my antidote. Enter Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Playing a soldier. Ugh. And he takes Cherry and the anesthesiologist. Ray takes off after them, but is quickly tossed back into the holding cell. Yeah. On the elevator up to wherever they're taking the girls, uh, Quentin Tarantino tells Rose McGowan's character, Cherry, that she looks like Ava Gardner. She's just not talking to him. And he's like, you look like you want to say fuck you to me. And he's basically just threatening her. I, I did love when he's like, do you want to say fuck you to me? And she goes, I don't right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. We see his face start to kind of bubble the same way Bruce Willis's did. Yeah. So he puts his mask back on. We cut back to the quarantine cell where there's a guy with a saxophone playing the theme to the movie. Out of nowhere. <laughs> like, where did the saxophone? saxophone guy come from why did he bring it with him into quarantine (laughs) (laughs) yes and jt is kind of talking to himself and he's like well if blood is salty the sauce just needs salt and a thickener it would do the same thing and i think ray gets the sense (laughs) that jt is trying to create a diversion so he says don't do something stupid jt i've got this jt attacks one of the guards jt gets shot and then ray does the coolest fucking thing in this entire movie where he takes a gun and acts like he's gonna hand it to someone and then flips it back and shoots them with it upside down yeah it it was very cool it was pretty cool it's fucking cool i don't think you're giving enough credit to tom capello or bobo tom capello the saxophone guy in the scene oh yeah because he fully decks one of the guards with his saxophone (laughs) i thought that was hilarious also why are the guards inside the cell with them I don't know. So I that's don't. a great great question. It is a great question. Yeah. It was answered in the missing reel. Yeah. <laughs> Any questions you have about this movie can be answered in the missing reel. 
Yeah. So we cut up to the room where they've taken Cherry and the anesthesiologist, and Quentin Tarantino is watching women in cages. Women in cages. See them in action. See them in love. White skin on the black market. It's insane. That's a real trailer and a very real Grindhouse movie. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Prison exploitation films are a big thing, especially women in prison. I mean, Orange is the New Black is like the new Grindhouse. That's what I've always heard. (laughs) I mean, sort of. That checks out. (laughs) (laughs) So Quentin Tarantino says, I'm going to go get my dick wet. And the other soldier just says, she's got one leg. And he's like, easier access. Good point. Because they're both trash. Yeah, they're both fully awful human being yeah Yeah. fully terrible we cut down to the basement where bruce willis is having soldiers unload the dc2 that's stockpiled in the basement and then they're going to blow the entire floor of the base yeah and he says get lewis down here who is apparently quentin tarantino and uh someone radios back he's getting his dick wet sir yeah (laughs) which is ridiculous (laughs) yes it is but before they can get up to the floor to get him Ray intercepts the guards. They kill the power in the room. So now it's just he and Abby confronting Bruce Willis. Yeah. Bruce Willis says, where are my men? And Abby tosses a bag of balls to him, (laughs) meaning that Abby has continued to collect balls. Yeah. He is the ball collector. I believe you mean the ball boy. Oh my god. Yeah, Mikey, absolutely. Okay. So Bruce Willis uh basically says, I'm walking out of here with the shit because we've earned it. And they're like, Why should we let you? And this is where we get Bruce Willis's story where he and his men were in Afghanistan looking for bin Laden. They find him and they put two in his heart and one in his computer. But in exchange, they get a face full of DC, too, because they weren't supposed to be where they were. Yeah. Uh, And there's no cure until they found a way to get batches to have regimented exposure. But if you could infect enough people and experiment, you might find a cure. And Bruce Willis says, I would do anything to keep them alive. I promise them that. I never had a choice. And Ray says, neither do I. Thank you for your service. And in the time that Bruce Willis has been telling them the story, he turns into this giant bulbous monster. Like blob monster. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. have to shoot him, basically. Something to note about this movie. It was made three years before Bin Laden died. <laughs> really? Yes. So much so that when Bin Laden actually did die people who worked on this movie including edgar wright and i remember this because i retweeted it tweeted out two in his heart one in his computer (laughs) as a reference to this movie (laughs) we cut back to upstairs where cherry and the anesthesiologist are locked up together and they're talking basically about their lives and cherry's useless talents which are doing like backbends and stuff yeah that was very much Chekhov's backbend because i have seen the trailer for this movie and you know where she uses that yeah right exactly to dodge a missile yeah but so the anesthesiologist says at some point in your life you find a use for all your useless talents it's like connecting the dots and cherry says i feel like i'm sinking and she says one of my friends once told me when you feel like you're sinking reach up yeah just reach up so quentin tarantino bursts in he pulls cherry up and he says you're a dancer and she says i was earlier tonight and he says i'm pulling you out of retirement so they turn on the radio and they make her dance and he goes on this weird rant of like i've seen a lot of crazy shit but i've never seen a one-legged stripper and i've been to morocco which i'm like 
It's not like there's an absurdly large amount of one-legged people in Morocco. like Or an overabundance of strippers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the normal amount. Yeah. I don't know. So she turns and breaks her wooden leg across his face. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's awesome. She then stomps on his eye with the stump, leaving a huge splinter in his face. Yes. And I was like, oh, awesome. Quentin Tarantino is dead, finally. Nope. I know. He gets up, and he's like, I'll give you some wood, because she now can't really stand, because she's got like half a leg. Yeah. He pulls his pants down, and his dick is literally melting off. And the other guy is like, dude, you're gas. You need the gas. And he says, fuck the gas. I'm going to have to make this quick. Which you'd think it would be more enjoyable for him if his dick was regular? It's not about- You would think so. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's about, about- power. Yeah. It's about the power. I hated all of the- In fact, yeah. whenever Quentin Tarantino is on screen in general, I don't like it. He's not a great actor. <laughs> so at this point, the anesthesiologist uses her leg needle holster. Yeah, her hands come back to her. I thought this was- Dope as shit, man. I love this Super part. dope. She yeah. shoots the soldier, the other guard with a needle in the shoulder, and then she shoots Quentin Tarantino in the eye. The other one. The one that doesn't have wood sticking out of it. Yeah. Right. Oof. As they basically watch, Quentin Tarantino essentially turns into like a bag of organs. Yeah. He's like melting. Ray and Abby burst in. They shoot the other soldier. And Cherry says, I broke my leg. And Ray says, I made you something. I believe in you. I always have. Yeah. You can be better and you deserve better, better even than me. And I need you to become who you're meant to be. Stand. And he basically <laughs> ratchets a machine gun onto her leg. This is insane. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's character then essentially barfs up all his intestines onto yeah. the floor. Cherry turns around with her leg and blasts him up through. Through the door to the next room and then shoots all three of the guards in the next room. Yeah. With her leg gun. Which she has no way to fire. I mean, if that's your problem with this movie, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I'm fully on board for it. Well, there are some prosthetics that can clamp down and stuff. Like, literally 10 minutes later, she uses the grenade launcher function on her rifle to double jump over (laughs) a fence. So I'm not really going to nitpick this part. I do think the technology exists to where it can happen. (laughs) I'm just saying, I believe, because if they can do prosthetics where, like, the arms can close and open, there's two commands there. So there's shoot and grenade launcher. Yes. No, Mikey, there are brain implants that you can get to control limbs. Like, that is a thing now. You missed all that in the missing reel. (laughs) Elon Musk comes in and implants the brain (laughs) implant into... I mean, honestly, Mikey, I would believe that. Like, if Robert Rodriguez came out and said, yeah, we shot that, it just burnt because we watched the sex scene too many times and that reel caught on fire. I'd be like, all right, you win. That's fine. I think it's definitely feasible that in 20 minutes, Ray was able to drop a load and a microchip in her. (laughs) (laughs) So they run back to the quarantine area where they basically uh, said that they've destroyed a lot of the tank of DC-2, but they need to fly two helicopters to escape. Can anyone else fly a helicopter so Ray can fly one and then the go-go dancer guy can fly one? Yeah, skip. But it's pretty obvious that the sheriff and JT are not 
going to make it. They have right. both been mortally wounded and they have to be left behind. <laughs> so they give them the detonator. Our top yeah. head cannon is lovers. Lovers. <laughs> They're brothers. They are brothers. I mean, I didn't get the brother vibe from them. They literally say brothers. Yeah, I thought it was like Hulk Hogan talking to the Undertaker. Like, you're my brother, brother. <laughs> I'm picturing like gay couples being like, I love you, brother. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a thing. I mean, maybe. Listen, I could be wrong. I don't know that it's not. So, Brother, do you take true. this man? Do you take this brother, brother? <laughs> brother, be your brother, brother. Brother, I promise to honor and obey you. Brother. Do you take this jabroni to be your lovely wedding husband? <laughs> so they climb onto the motorcycle. Oh, I love them getting on the motorcycle because he's like, Cherry, get on. No, the other way. The other way. And then she mounts him like they were having sex. No, the yeah. other way. The other way. No. The, the other, other way. way. Yeah. The motorcycle screams out into the courtyard with Cherry firing from the back. It's one of the coolest shots in the movie. Yeah, it's it is cool. very cool. Yeah. It's so cool. They fight their way to the helicopters, and the helicopters are on the other side of a wall. So they basically have to get around the wall and kill all the soldiers on the other side. Soldiers and zombies. I got kind of confused in the whole base stuff. It's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column zombie. Yeah. So Abby decides he's going to try and find a safer way around. He tells him to wait here, that they're the key to the antidote, and he has to finish his research. He walks around the wall and literally two steps later is instantly dead. Yeah, his head explodes <laughs> for seemingly no reason. Cleaved in half, yes. I would say, yes. But like, uh, so you never get an indication of what caused that to happen. No, but the the next line is my favorite line because it's like, <laughs> is anyone else like a, a biochemist? <laughs> yes, I don't suppose there are any other biochemical engineers around. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> know her name said. and I feel bad calling her Bobo Heather Graham, but she looks like Heather Graham to me. Yes. She does a great job. I think she's hilarious. So we cut into the quarantine cell where JT and his brother, the sheriff, are basically dying. And as the sheriff is dying, he's like, you better tell me that that recipe. Uh, I'll, I'll we'll split the rent. We could build a new place where the old one was. And then JT starts telling him the recipe, allegedly, where he's like, start at 250 degrees, 12 pounds over 12 hours. I love how his boyfriend slash brother takes out a notepad and starts writing it down. Right. <laughs> like he's not also going to be dead here in three minutes when they blow up the building. Just remember that you've got to take this to your grave. And he's like, I can pretty much guarantee that. <laughs> and his brother the sheriff dies and then JT laughs and hits the detonator. Yeah. Now, which honestly, I loved that part because it reminds me so much of the notebook. Yeah. A little bit. Do you think he gave him the actual <laughs> recipe? No. I don't think so either. I think that's why he laughs. <laughs> so Paige, if they're actual brothers, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. no. <laughs> So they trigger the detonation, which causes a lot of explosions, uh, which kind of clear a path for them. Yeah. And Ray tells Cherry, it's all you. She runs across the shower of explosives. She uses a rocket launcher on her gun to propel her over the wall <laughs> and then extends it's her insane. leg forward to yeah. shoot another rocket into the crowd 
of soldiers. Yeah, we've gone full patrionicals at this point. <laughs> yeah, she she lands, she lands and bathes them in a wave of bullets. Yes. all while doing go-go dance moves. Uh, someone tries to fire a missile at her. This is where she does the back bend and it goes underneath her. It's basically the this is the price of admission right here. Like right. this is what you paid <laughs> yeah. to see. As she's doing it, Ray is giving her back up, but Ray gets shot. We cut to the anesthesiologist runs to they're trying to fill up both helicopters. Yeah. She runs to the second helicopters, not knowing that Ray has been shot. And her husband is somehow miraculously in this helicopter. He just shows up everywhere. Uh and she says, I lied. I did want to hurt you. And he yeah. says, Well, it's my turn. And then Earl to the rescue, her dad shoots him dead and says, I never liked him. <laughs> yeah. And then she says, no more dead bodies for daddy tonight. Yeah. Which would make sense if the kid was still alive. It would. Her dad, Earl, says, I never liked him. He was useless as a pecker on a pope, which yeah. is a banana saying. <laughs> it is a banana saying because a lot of popes throughout history had children. Or did bad things to children. With yeah, their, I mean, yeah. that's fair. So she gets off the helicopter, runs to join the other helicopter. Yes. Well, the one that Skip is piloting. The helicopter takes off and he angles it down so that the propellers chop up zombies. And he basically mows down a crowd of great. zombies with this helicopter. And then they turn on the windshield wipers that every helicopter has. <laughs> to wipe away the blood. Yeah. And the helicopter seemingly takes off. We cut back to Cherry and Ray, and she doesn't want to leave. And she's like, hey, you got to get up now. People around here eat roadkill. Yeah. And he says, you've got to go. you got to go to the ocean. Put your backs to the water and fight. I'm not leaving you. And she's like, but it's two against the world. Okay. So I was at Starbucks watching this movie <laughs> and it was, they were probably, it wasn't like packed packed, but there were probably like eight people working and then two other people working around me. So it was probably like 12, 11 people there. And I fully laughed out loud when he touched <laughs> her stomach and said, it still is two against the world. I never miss. <laughs> I lost my mind. I literally laughed, looked at the person next to me, who was a middle-aged woman who was not happy with the fact that I was watching what she, I'm, I'm sure, thought was a porn. The strangest porn ever. <laughs> so she looks at me, I look away quickly, and then just continue laughing while... Ray is telling her about this. It was insane. Oh my God, it was so funny. <laughs> yeah. He says, you'll find your way, and he dies. As he does so, the helicopter angles above her yeah and the anesthesiologist leans out and says reach, reach up which you would not be able to hear over those propellers nor would she be able to hold onto the rope one-handed <laughs> while they don't pull her into the helicopter but fly her away so she is swinging wildly underneath it holding on yes. with one hand for some reason Yep. Can I point out one thing that also I thought was a hilarious shot? When she's on the back of that motorcycle, yes. mowing everything down, and then it cuts to the barrel smoking, and she is fully six feet away from what is her tow and barrel. Tries to blow and she it. blows it off, <laughs> but the smoke does not change direction at all. It's just she's so far away, it just does it's nothing. It's just fully for her. Yeah. It's her being like, this looks fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. I laughed out out loud again at that point it was so funny so we cut to about i think two years later approximately yeah where they have made it to mexico on horseback and they're up against the water in like 
ruins. She basically is talking about like, now I lead people to paradise. Uh, and we see that she has upgraded her leg gun and it is now yeah. a Gatling gun. <laughs> it's like a chain gun. Yeah. Uh, and we see that she has a baby girl tied to her back because Ray never misses. No, he does not. And it's two against the world. And, and that's, that's the movie. movie. All right, so having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think now? Instant classic. I love it. <laughs> Holy shit. This movie is terrible. There's so much to love about it, though. Like, it is so bad. And I think it's one of those movies that is so bad it's good because yes. it was trying to be a so bad it's good movie. And they yes. executed that premise flawlessly. Right, which is tricky because sometimes when you have a movie that's trying to be so bad it's good, it just ends up being bad. Like, it yes. is a very difficult line to walk. It is. And I think this movie succeeds. I think this movie is so bad it's good. Yes. And And I love it. I yeah. love it. Mikey, what do you think? Oh, I'm the, I'm the same boat. I, I, I thought it was really, really funny. And I, I mean, I really liked it. It was good. This is like the quintessential Mikey movie in my mind. Um, I don't know. Mikey movies. <laughs> I have a little bit more of a refined taste. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think it was trying a little too hard to be a Mikey movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, is the man who made us watch House 2 and Return of the Living Dead going to sit here and argue that this movie is not up to Mikey movie standards? Go fuck yourself, sir. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They tried to make a Mikey movie. Most Mikey movies are accidental. I will admit that most Mikey movies are mistakes. <laughs> end of sentence yeah i mean i like this movie a lot but i think what makes mikey movies good is that they don't mean to make movies like that no they are <laughs> earnestly trying to make a good movie and missed that mark by a mile i don't think return of the living dead was supposed to be an oscar winner like i'm pretty sure they knew what they were making well, that's true. with that's the split true. dogs and shit <laughs> and a strip tease in the middle of the movie yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So, yeah, it's a Mikey movie. Yeah. It's a Mikey movie. I can see the point. <laughs> oh, well, Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I do. I have a personal fun fact. Well, hit us with those fun facts. Fun facts. The year this came out, I went as Cherry Darling for Halloween and built a machine gun leg. Like, it was part of a boot that I could wear. <laughs> and then I, I had actual AK-47 rounds. Like a bandolier? Yeah, they were expired yeah. rounds, but I used them to, like, strap the leg on and stuff. Oh, my God. What happened was, at the end of the night, I went to go get a frozen pizza from the grocery store because I was going to go home and watch a horror movie and call it a night for Halloween. And I worried because the gun was like black. Like it was not a fake look. It looked real. Right. And I was worried that they thought I was going to be carrying an actual gun into a grocery store. So I took it off and I took the bullet bandoliers that were holding it on and just dropped them into my purse. And because they were expired rounds, they didn't weigh anything. Yeah. Fast forward, two weeks later is my birthday and my parents are like, hey, we have Southwest Miles. Just come hop on a plane <laughs> for a couple days for the weekend. Oh, God. So I roll up to Los Angeles International Airport, drop my bag on the conveyor belt and walk through. And the lady's like, uh, yeah, we got to run your bag again. And I was like, OK, cool. I should mention I was in full sorority letters and it was a hot pink leopard print betsy johnson handbag and so <laughs> they ran it through again and they were like 
yeah, we have to have somebody check this. And I'm like, oh, I work in retail. There might be a box cutter in there. If there is, I'm so, so sorry. Just throw it away. I don't need to keep it. Yeah. And they're like, no, uh, but we have to have somebody check it. And I was like, okay, fine. So they like take me over. A guy right. has my bag and he's like, is there any reason you'd be carrying ammunition with you today, ma'am? And I was like, <laughs> bullets? No. And then he literally upended my bag <laughs> and conservatively... <laughs> 40 AK-47 <laughs> rounds clattered onto like where he was inspecting my bag. And at first they were like, uh, he's like, as long as you leave them with us, you can go. And I was like, oh, thank God. So I like go to get a Diet Coke and then I turn around and there's two LAPD behind me and they're oh, like, God. you need to come with us. And I was like, what? And they were like, you left a bag at security. And I was like, no, no, I didn't. I have all my stuff. And they dragged me back to security and temporarily detained me <laughs> until... The police captain came. They took everything out of my purse and put it in evidence bags, which like, I don't know if you've ever looked in somebody's purse, but it's like gum, receipts, tampons, yeah. each in its own bag. <laughs> <laughs> and the captain came down and he was like, oh, these are just expired rounds. This looks really cool. And nobody had seen the movie. <laughs> so when they were like, who were you for Halloween? Like, what is this about? I was like, Cherry Darling. They're like, we don't know what that is. So they give me back my stuff finally. But they literally, I have a purse full of evidence bags. I'm the last person to get on the plane. <laughs> they at oh no God. point let me call my family or anything. And it's only a 45 minute flight. So like my parents have no idea what has happened. I get on the plane. I proceed to get wildly drunk. And I mean, <laughs> trash because I'm like, I just escaped a cavity search. They thought I was a terrorist. Oh, my God. I land drunk and crying and my mom is like what happened i tell her and then they have laughed at me for conservatively 10 years that's my personal fun fact about this movie <laughs> that's amazing and then i was on a watch list for about six years where almost every single time i flew i would have to be searched that's hilarious that's insane. it was wild so, on to some other fun facts. The opening song of the movie is one of Robert Rodriguez's favorites. He wrote the song about two years before they started filming the movie, and he would play it while he was writing the movie. Oh, weird. Yeah, that like, that it like really yeah. bangs. But he felt like that was the vibe <laughs> of the movie. As far as the motorcycle jacket, that is Robert Rodriguez's jacket. Really? Yeah, because the movie was so low budget, they ended up raiding their own wardrobe. So she's wearing his jacket and Freddie Rodriguez, who plays Ray, is wearing his own clothes also <laughs> in the movie. So Bruce Willis was actually one of the last people to shoot his scenes on Planet Terror. And it was because he had enjoyed working with Robert Rodriguez on Sin City so much and he told him that anytime, anywhere, I'll come make something with you. So Robert Rodriguez didn't think that was going to happen, called him on a whim. And then Bruce Willis was like, yeah, I'll come for sure. And he showed up, shot for two days. Tarantino visited the set while it was happening just to kind of say hi because they were filming the movies at the same time. Yeah. And he was like, 
what the fuck is Bruce Willis doing here? Like, how'd you get Bruce? We don't have the budget for that. <laughs> That's cheating. Uh, how did you do that? Tony, the kid Tony, is actually played by Rebel Rodriguez, one of Robert Rodriguez's sons. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yes. And the line, I'm going to eat your brain and gain your knowledge, is in the movie because it's something Rebel had said once while playing with his own action figures at home. <laughs> and his dad thought it was so weird. He put it in the movie. Rebel is now much older, so I don't know if this is still true. But Rebel shot all of his scenes within a day or two, allegedly did not know he died in the movie because he wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah. I mean, like he's a kid. And so I'm assuming at this point now he has probably seen the movie. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But for a solid decade after this movie came out, he didn't know he had died in the movie. That's <laughs> he had no idea how it had ended or what had happened. Robert Rodriguez cast Freddie Rodriguez, who plays Ray in the movie, and he told him that he wanted somebody kind of unassuming and not very threatening looking in the role. Freddie Rodriguez is only five foot six. Yeah. And Robert Rodriguez basically basically said, I'm not going to shoot you very tall in this movie until about midway through the movie, they start angling the camera up to make him look taller and taller and his action scenes get more involved yes. and super cool. And by the end of the movie, you don't realize that he is significantly shorter than everyone else in the film. That's funny. So that's done on purpose where they like cast him kind of smaller. So he's kind of diminutive. And then he becomes this kind of big thing. That's very cool. The doctor who has the scenes with Josh Brolin, actually Robert Rodriguez's real doctor. Oh my God. The one that's the like Andy Richter doctor. <laughs> and some of the images on the monitor are from actual patients with the type of wounds that they use to like base the, you know, makeup design on. And they're of actual patients, including one man who severed his own penis and then allowed the wound to get infected. Oh. oh. Uh, speaking of special effects, obviously I mentioned Tom Savini is in the movie, and at one point he gets drawn and quartered in yes, the in the yeah. raid, and he helped design the effect that drawed and drawed and quartered his body. That's awesome. The prop people mistakenly put out real needles instead of retractable ones. Oh God. For the scene, yeah, for the scene, and. I know we've called her the anesthesiologist the whole time. Her name is Dakota. They just never use it pretty much the whole movie for the scene where she gives Joe, the guy with the bite on his arm, shots. So she ended up accidentally pricking him three times. Oh, my God. And luckily there was a medic on set who came over and basically says, well, actually, you hit the veins and they were clean and sterilized. So you're good. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Why did the guy not it stop her after the first time? I don't know. Tarantino, in addition to being the sack of organs, is also one of the nameless, faceless people eating Fergie. No shit. Okay. Uh, Jesse James did build the custom motorcycle in the garage. Does not surprise me at all. Yeah. The car, the convertible is from Robert Rodriguez's second film, Road Racers. The missing reel gag was inspired by a time Tarantino screened a film at the Alamo Draft House. That was, in fact, missing a reel. And the idea of not knowing what scenes you're missing really appealed to them. They thought it would be a hilarious gag, but also because the script was getting 
way too long. And if they had taken the time to explain all the things to get them from point A to point B, the movie would have been more than two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, I'm grateful they did that because it's both hilarious and it really does like yada yada over the shit you don't really care about. Right. The splinter in the eye scene is a nod to Lucio Fulci's zombie flesh eaters. So that's it's shot kind of in a very similar way. And the big firefight escape from the military base was actually filmed in the parking lot of Robert Rodriguez's studio in Texas. No. Oh. Yeah. So those are our fun facts. Well, thank you for your fun facts, Paige. You guys ready for some box office? Yeah. Yes. All right. So the box office numbers I have are for all of Grindhouse, not just for Planet Terror, except for I do have some international numbers for Planet Terror because of one of the facts that Paige gave us earlier, right? Mm-hmm. In the U.S. and Canada, it was all shown as Grindhouse, and right. internationally it was shown as separate films. So what do you think the production budget was for all of Grindhouse, Death Proof and Planet Terror, and the trailers? I want to say it's like $35 million. Okay, Mikey, what do you think? I think it's like 50 Okay, Mikey, you're closer. It's $53 million for both of the movies. It came out April 6th, 2007. And that weekend, it was number four at the box office. Yeah, I remember this movie did not make a lot of money. It didn't do great. So that week it came out, it was beat by Blades of Glory, (laughs) Meet the Robinsons, Are We Done Yet, Grindhouse was number four, and then The Reaping was number five. That's your top five that weekend. And that Mm -hmm. weekend, it made 11.5, almost $11.6 million, which is not a bad opening weekend, monetarily speaking, but for a budget of $53 million, that's not great. And like I mentioned, they were going to recoup it slower no matter what, because in the time that you would normally show two movies, they're only showing the one. Right. What do you think it made in its total domestic run in the theaters? Again, for all of Grindhouse. 30. Paige, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think it made its budget back, at least not initially, at least not on the combined version. I think 30 is actually probably pretty fair. Yeah, it was $25 million. Yeah. Uh, Internationally, when it was shown together as Grindhouse, it made another $25 million. So a total box office worldwide of $50 million. Now, in home market performance, which are things like DVD and Blu-ray sales or domestic video sales, those kind of things, it made $36.6 million. That's huge. So yeah, that is a lot of money for like the what they call home market performance. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So it made its money back there. And when Planet Terror did screen overseas on its own, it made another $8.3 million. So it did make its money back, I feel like. Yeah, well, and, and it became one of those things where it proved that there was a market for things outside the norm. Yes. You know, it, it was an expensive gamble, but I think it's a gamble that allowed things like Machete and Hobo with a Shotgun to get made. And Machete made money, too. You know, like I mean, they made a sequel. Yeah, it has to have. So I, I think it really kind of does pave the way for things outside the norm. I don't know that anyone would take this gamble again, but I think it gives kind of this revived interest in the kind of midnight movie vibe. Yeah. yeah. Which I still think there's a market for that they don't do a lot of. But that's box office. You want to do scary scale? Scary scale, uh, scale one to ten of how scary we found the film. I think well, I know where we're going. Todd may be surprising me. But number one example is Ghostbusters. Number ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a scale of not the quality of the film, but how scary we are watching it. So, Paige. Yeah, this is a one for me. This is a one for me. I've seen it a ton of times and really like it, so I was not expecting to be scared. But yeah, this is a one for me. <laughs> was it ever not a one for you? No. And Mikey, I'm assuming this is the first time you've seen it, so it was always one for you. Just yet. Yeah. yeah. 
For me, it's a two, just because it's okay. not really that scary. But there were some moments where I was like seriously grossed out. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of body horror in yeah, this movie. Yeah, it's really gross. And body horror does not normally do a lot for me, like scare wise. But it was over the top gross. It's really mm. good effects. So I'm gonna give it a two. All right. So this week, you guys made me watch Planet Terror, and since it, we're continuing Page Month, what are you making us watch Page next week? Well, we might have a little bit of a surprise before then. Oh yeah. So guys. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so check your calendars because there is a certain special Friday coming up that you may or may not see a bonus episode. And if you are thinking we might do one, you might notice it's the fifth Friday the 13th we've had since dropping that series or whatever. So Friday the 13th, five, Monday. Sorry, Friday. But what's coming out next Monday? (laughs) Next Monday, we're going to watch Midsummer. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm ready to fight. Okay, this... <laughs> I, I'm going to give you the choice on whether or not you want to watch the director's cut or the regular. I would recommend the director's cut if you have access. I've already seen the regular version. This is one of those rare horror movies I've seen because we did a meetup mm-hmm. uh, in Nashville back when before COVID and we could do meetups. And a bunch of us went into a theater here locally and saw it together. And oh man, it, it was rough for me it's a rough movie yeah uh, I really wish we could have done an episode on it but you know we just didn't get around to it for whatever reason but I'm glad we're gonna do it now because I know you love this movie I really enjoy this movie (laughs) so your homework for next Monday is to watch Midsummer. maybe the director's cut if you want to be in on that yeah if you have access to it I'll bring up a little bit of info about it Uh so just in case you can't get your hands on it uh, or if you're curious as to whether or not you want to buy it to watch it i'll let you know what's there i just looked it up the director's cut version is only available on apple tv but it is available to stream on prime video if you have prime video okay but that being said watch midsummer for next monday but also watch friday the 13th part five for friday maybe if that happens yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Mercury is in Gatorade. It might not happen. <laughs> so, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? So many. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of reviews. You guys have been amazing with that. But if you want Mikey to read your review, simply go to the podcast app on Apple and leave us a five-star review, and Mikey will read it on the podcast. So, Mikey, you got a review for us to read? I do. Nice. This one's from This Wasn't Taken. Oh, the name? I love when people <laughs> do stuff like that. Yeah. And the title of the review is, I'm not good at titles. <laughs> but this <laughs> Or names. <laughs> I like this person. They said, if picked, please read in Demon Toby secret voice. Oh, I love this. <laughs> Which now it's going to be regret. rough, man. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm regretting because my voice is tired. Bye, Apple All stock. Right. This podcast is so great and so fun. <laughs> hey, Christy. <laughs> Check out this podcast. <laughs> I started listening after it was mentioned on the cult podcast. It binged a bunch of episodes. Oh, awesome. Once I got to the episode, I was above, so below, I knew I had to get my husband to listen to it, too. (laughs) That episode is bonkers, and it's really just Mikey and me giggling every time someone says a wet hole. (laughs) There's a lot of wet holes in that movie. Yeah. (laughs) We We went and listened to a lot of old ones together, though he refuses to listen to the ones without Mikey. Good choice. (laughs) (laughs) And now we listen together every week. It's been especially nice to listen together while we both work from home. Oh, that's awesome. The hosts all have incredible chemistry, and it feels like hanging out with friends. Toby's secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Toby. The secret is the friends we made along the way. Paige is such a great addition that I don't even mind. She's on half the podcast I listen to now. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm on 47 different podcasts. Listen to all of them. Todd is hilarious, especially when he is scared. And both Paige and Mikey's laugh will make you laugh right along with them. Don't be secret. (laughs) Everyone should give this podcast a listen. Now, also, (laughs) P.S. Thank you, Mikey, for following me back on Instagram, but not my husband, because now I get to brag and tease him that his favorite member thought I was more interesting. This is a mistake, and I want to do. I want to, bro, whoever you are out there, brother, whoever you are, brother, brother, listen, brother, I want to follow you on Instagram and follow you into the octagon. Yes, brother, (laughs) brother, and husband of that wasn't taken. Send me a DM and I will follow you. This is a promise. Brother. Brother. (laughs) Well, this wasn't taken. Thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. We are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network, so if you would, check out their shows at consequenceofsound.net. You can also go to our website at horrorvirgin.com and check out some great stuff there and links to the merch store. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Horror Virgin Everywhere. Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is just Paige Wesley, at Paige Wesley, I should say. Yep. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. And if you want to help financially support the show, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin, where we have a lot of great levels and a lot of great perks for those who subscribe on Patreon. Literally hours and hours of bonus content, me watching trailers, bonus episodes, like a lot of great stuff you guys could check out. Um, but if you can't help financially support the show, don't feel obligated to. But if you want to get your free daily content from the horror virgin, join that horror virgin. Facebook community where we have over a 1,400 awesome family members that uh, are really the, I think, most supportive group on Facebook. It's amazing. So thank you guys so much for being a part of that, and please join. It's a lot of fun. And if you want to hear us on other podcasts, we three have another podcast called Romancing the Pod, where we do hilarious takedowns and breakdowns of romantic and romantic comedy movies. Paige is also on Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast, so check her out there. Both of those are amazing as well. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh, uh, yeah? He won't go to go-go clubs, go-go-go dancing clubs, because he he only sees the dancers' tears. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I honestly, I don't like strip clubs for very similar reasons. It's not a strip club. She's a go-go dancer. I'm not 100% sure I know the difference, and I apologize for not being in the know on that. Go-go dancers don't take their clothes off. Oh, well, then there you (laughs) go-go. This episode also brought to you by... Ori. Ori. And I really just got to thank Ori because I was having some trouble uh, last week and she introduced me to her three friends. Her yellow friend made me forget the pain that I was feeling. Good, good. So, And her blue friend really took the edge off. <laughs> and then, you know, she made sure I was in a safe place and then she gave me her red friend and I never saw her again. She gave you drugs. Yes, she's my dealer. <laughs> uh, also don't do drugs kids so yeah i just really gotta thank ori for helping me out last week so thank you so much ori for introducing me to your three awesome friends <laughs> so this episode also brought to you by adrenaline shots and adrenaline shots is a awesome indie sci-fi horror web comic that you guys should absolutely check out so this week we're just telling you to check out adrenaline shots we now return you to another episode of the, the patreonicals, patreonicals. 
Okay, we're back here in the Patreonicles. Uh, in Antarctica, they've uh, come out of the Matrix. It's super fun now that they're back in the real world. <laughs> yeah, they talked to a penguin last week. They told him all about like a bunch of flying submarines. Which yeah. is weird because penguins are a flightless bird. Yeah. So there's the, the, the flying submarine is coming into the distance to kill them. Kate ends up launching uh, Tristam and Dave. And uh, the penguins go after it, too. I'm sorry. So Kate is just throwing people at them? Yeah, she's drunk with power. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Well, Tristan's a robot. He's a killer robot that they built. I mean, that actually does sort of make sense. But the other two aren't, right? Well, Dave can die and come back to life over and over again. Well, right. So what you're saying is the only person who's in danger here are the penguins she's throwing at them. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of useless penguin death, and I I don't know if we thought about that. So, yeah, Eddie was like, no way, don't kill the penguins. So she stops, and she lets them, like, fall in the water. Okay, okay. And so Tristan goes through the the hole of the the submarine, the flying submarine, and then Dylan, I mean, Dave just hits it and falls off and dead into the water. (laughs) Tristan gets in there and uh, ends up shooting the engine and blowing it up and then crashes. He jumps out, but the whole ship crashes. It was just full with robots. And uh, they have a little meeting, and uh, basically Isaac's like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Sticking together is not helping us. We need to get out of here. And like, he's like, who's coming with me? And so Isaac, evil Matthew was like, fuck yeah, let's get out of here. And, like, let's, let's fuck some shit up. And so he, he, they go together, and then um, Karun ends up going with them for some reason, and then they end okay. up taking Dave's body. Well, okay. So Dave is not consenting to go with Isaac and his crew, but he's being drug along. Yeah, because Evil Matthew thinks it's hilarious that he dies. <laughs> it is sort of funny. Kate's like, she's like, where are you guys going to go? The whole world's under control of this evil organization. And he's like, who cares? We can do whatever we want. And so they're like, well, give us uh, one of the lifeboats out of the relationship because we need to get out of Antarctica. I mean, yeah, but I would not want to have to leave Antarctica in just a lifeboat. Yeah. But Isaac was like, I'm feeling pretty confident about the seafaring journey. Those four leave on the lifeboat. Kate looks around. There's at a, they're at a little facility. Sasha and Eddie come and they're like, okay, they have like a little conference. They're like, who's left? Who do we have left? What is this place? Two guys come out named Dylan and Brandon. And they're like, yo, we have been alone in Antarctica <laughs> for like years since the Sunny D virus ravaged the earth. We didn't think anyone was left. Until like a mile away, we saw these explosions and shit. And then we walked over and we didn't even know this whole camp was here where you guys were being imprisoned. And they, they like catch up. So Dylan and Brandon are um, Antarctic explorers and end up chilling out with them. But they're, but they're like, back at our ship, uh, we have a helicopter. So they, they end up going into the helicopter. Wait, Brandon and Dylan have a helicopter? Yeah, they have a helicopter at their Antarctic base. Okay. In fact, they landed in it. I just forgot to mention it. <laughs> So when you said Brandon and Dylan walk over to them, what you meant was after they landed their helicopter and got yeah, out of the, it. Yeah, okay. land, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes Thanks sense. Okay. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. And they're like, we're adventurers. And Kate was like, well, we have a cyborg named Tristan. We can modify the helicopter to get out of Antarctica. And she's like, well, let's take our time. We have food here. We, you know, the whole world is under control of all this organization. He's like, I know none of the cities that answer my radio calls are acting normal. So we just don't even we don't pretend that anything's there. <laughs> So they're just like playing pretend that the world is dead? Yes. So Brandon and Dylan are on the run from something. They have a mysterious backstory. Okay. And so the penguins come over and save Eddie, and then the penguins end up making them all a feast, uh, like uh, the end end of Return of the Jedi with the Ewoks. But it's penguins? But yeah, it's just like fish. (laughs) 
And then uh, Tristan was like, I think I can modify this helicopter to make it back to the to the mainland if we want to do that. And Dylan and Brandon are like, we need to get out of Antarctica. Yeah, it's cold. What modifications need to be done to a helicopter to make it fly, I guess, just further? Where did our two new explorers come from? Do you think Isaac Squad's going to be real pissed that they took a lifeboat off of Antarctica when they could have just waited an episode and taken a helicopter? Find out <laughs> next week on another episode of The Patreonicals. So that's going to be it for us this week, guys. I'm Paige. And I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd, guys. Keep it spooky. <laughs> Have an okay spooky. Amazing week. Bye. Gun leg nerds. Consequence Podcast Network.